Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today, we hear from Luke Hyams, head of YouTube Originals for EMEA, and Kate Shepard, MD of Warner Music Entertainment, who tell us about their new YouTube original, Together We Rise, the uncompromised story of GRM Daily, which launched online this week and focuses on the UK grime scene. And Darren Narty, Senior Program Acquisitions Executive at ITV, discusses the projects that caught his eye at the digital version of Cartoon Forum this month, as well as what children's programming he's looking to acquire and pre-buy for CITV. Together We Rise tells the story of GRM Daily, the global platform specialising in UK rap that allowed a generation of artists to record, produce and release music without the need of support from traditional media or the music industry. The docuseries also tells the story of GRM Daily's founder, the young black British entrepreneur Posty, and it is one of three originals YouTube in the UK is working on that focus on people who have used the video sharing platform to build their careers. Luke Hyams of YouTube and Kate Shepard of Warner Music Entertainment discuss what differentiates the series from other music docs about UK rap, YouTube's original content strategy, and the future of music entertainment during a pandemic. I'm Kate Shepherd. So I, I run a division called Warner Music Entertainment. So we're the film and TV production arm of the Warner Music Group. And, you know, our, our kind of remit is to create entertainment entities of short and long form content with primarily with our, all of our artists at their heart. But ultimately, we're here to tell incredible and compelling and relevant stories. And uh, my name is Luke Himes. I'm the head of Originals at YouTube for EMEA, working in the region with all of the amazing producers, creators and YouTube channel brands to work with them to create brand new original programming that shows how incredibly creative YouTube can be and aims to collaborate with them to be able to do stuff for their audience they could not maybe necessarily do on their own to make YouTube a more exciting and entertaining place, if that's even possible. So yeah, that, that's, that's who I am and how I fit to this. And your two companies have just collaborated on the documentary series Together We Rise, the uncompromised story of GRM Daily. And it's a four-part series that takes us through the history of grime, really. And it launches this week on YouTube. And in some ways, the rise of grime in the UK is entwined with video sharing platforms like YouTube. So I'm interested to know, in terms of how the relationship began with some of the people who are interviewed in the series, it's an amazing cast list. You've got Skepta, Gig, Stormzy, Kano, lots of names that also I don't recognize because I'm not cool enough. How did those relationships start? Was that something, Warner, did you bring them to YouTube or was it vice versa? Well, you know, Posty, you know, the, the, the man behind GRM really is at the epicenter of, you know, how we came to sort of speak to pretty much, I would say, an all-star cast list within the documentary series. You know, we must have interviewed up to about 70 people. And so he's one of our artists and, and GRM Daily is, is, you know, one, one of our artists as well. So we represent him on, on Parlophone Records, one of our labels. You know, he was bringing out an album and he really wanted to do a documentary and he'd spoken to Luke about 
about it and you know Luke and I spoke and and that's how it sort of came about it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and once he dug into it obviously that every single person in there has their place and and they're all all absolute superstars in their own right and um you know there was an enormous amount of sort of respect for Posty um because a lot of them started off on their platform and you know Stormzy's one of our artists Kano's one of our artists and you know they all have and they they really hold him up there with with someone who really gave them a platform to launch their career you know genuinely and one of the things that I found you know with, with filming with all of them and filming with Posty after a lot through the last six months is you know they're like a family basically there really is an enormous amount of respect and and it's lucky that I'm saying that on his behalf because he's a massively humble character and also you know the team you know we research and obviously Luke who, who can speak to it but you know we are all very familiar with that scene some more than others but we kind of have in our in our minds especially Luke our wish list you know and um, I feel we got pretty much most of it there. Luke so tell me about how and when YouTube came on board and, and how its involvement played out. Well so uh, Posty I heard that he was interested our music team told us that he was interested in doing a documentary and I just thought wow there's such an opportunity here for an incredible story of entrepreneurial excellence like it's very rare there'd been some other uh, grime documentaries that had happened before there's one Sky Arts that BBC4 did one as well and they were great but I felt like this story because we'd had a lot of pitches this story felt like it was the best one to be told through YouTube because you could tell the story of how grime really came up with this this YouTube channel that, as it says in the doc, was like the epicenter of this world that had broken so much of the talent. And I just felt like not just telling the story of the artists, moving away from some of the street culture you'd expect into that sort of business story of we're just a couple of young kids. We've started this YouTube channel. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. We're going to go on a crazy roller coaster to actually build what is now a really successful business. It just felt like something that was too good to pass up. And I knew that they had the relationship with Warner and I really have a lot of time for Kate and the team at Warner Music Entertainment. We'd wanted to do something together for ages. And so it was just like, wow, this is all perfect. Let's all just get together and do this. And so, yeah, that was how it came about. And it just, from when we started working together, it was just like, wow, everybody here is playing their bit perfectly. And we were a great team, I personally think. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a, it, it, it was a, you know, it just all kind of fell into place perfectly like Luke said from from our point of view as well so it was the dream team And those previous grime documentaries that you mentioned, in what other ways did you want to kind of differentiate yourself from a BBC4 or a Sky Arts kind of documentary? I mean, there's no no shade on those documentaries in any way, shape or form. Like the one on Sky, because they're two things that I love. Like the one on Sky Arts, Generation Grime, had so much talent. The one um, that Acme did, you know, uh, that Jamie directed, uh, Jamie DeCruz, it told the most accurate story at the origins of the music. You got in the real texture it they all had their perfect angle and they were right for those platforms but for us one that was like about video creation and about you know that being a big part of it you know for us to focus on that part of it it just made so much more sense for youtube because thinking about where it would end up to do a story about grm that could live on grm for that audience directly it just felt like the right way into this story and that's a lot of times of my job it's like okay what is the way into this story or this format that 
will make it be accepted on YouTube and make it relevant on the platform. And so this was the way for us to do a grime documentary. Yeah, and just to, just to add to that, I think why this felt like it really could never have lived anywhere else other than on YouTube, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, the GRM platform there is just, just so incredible, is that, you know, it's like Rashid from Link Up TV, he, he says it perfectly in the documentary. He says, you know, right now a kid is literally just one upload away from changing their entire lives. And I'm like... That is YouTube, you know, you have to be doing this documentary on YouTube. It just couldn't have lived anywhere else, totally. So yeah, finding that direct line into something that is already popular and people are gravitating towards on YouTube. Um, that's the the link in terms of when a company might be able to get a commission. Yeah, what is the DNA? And, and, and also it's just this classic thing of like, yeah, posting those guys, they could have gone and shot it, but together with YouTube Originals and World Music Entertainment, we can make it a big event. And I just feel so proud of this one for so many reasons. But for a human story, like I think probably my 74 year old mother could watch this not being a fan of grime and actually enjoy it because the guys have just crafted an incredible human story. You know, that's the thing. Like it's like Last Dance. If you're not a basketball fan, you could love that documentary. Um, And if you're not a fan of this music, I I think you could still watch this for the sort of human story and the sort of story of black entrepreneurial British excellence. And the story of GRM Daily isn't without its controversies. So how... How much does the documentary drill into those? You know, it, it tells the exact story. You know, it's it, initially it was the backbone of what we were doing. You know, as Luke said, it's it's story first in many ways. And we have so many narrative journeys that we go on throughout this. But first and foremost, it was like, let's tell the story of GRM and let's tell the story of the wider scene that hangs around it. And, you know, let's really dig into the nostalgia and all those brilliant things. But the backbone of that is it's like when you hear Posty tell that, how he had it and he lost it and then he got it all back and here we are today is is the narrative thread but also you know this is a this is a story about black british excellence you know it's a story about kids that you know started off on this platform posty came out of nowhere and then they were all on there and it just grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and they tell that you know seamlessly in the documentary and and then all of a sudden it was like bam it was gone and no one could believe it and then posty in the face of a Diversity, you know, with everybody behind him as everyone's trying to copy what he does, he brings it back and he brings it back and he brings it back even better than it was before. And you just sort of fall in love with, with him and his motivation and drive to really do what he absolutely loved. He was a lawyer, you know, he's training to be a lawyer before he did this. And and so, you know, what it shows is, is that as a backbone, it shows everybody, you know, within the scene who has worked together so hard to get to where they are and they're all stars in their own right. And that is the jumping off point for so many other talking points. Yeah, and, and uh, to, to double add, I guess, the thing is, as well, you could make this. I could. I can so clearly see the bad version of this. You could just do a straight up puff piece, which was just like, oh my gosh, GRM is so important. It's so powerful. It's such a big part of the community. And it's like, yeah, the film says that, but no one wants to watch that for four episodes. You know, we had to get. There were some natural dramatic moments within their story that we just felt as much we'd be doing the audience a disservice if we didn't try to 
you know, encapsulate them and show people that when you have success, there are also these, you know, peaks and troughs. You know, a lot of people, myself included, uh, it's career is a bit of a roller coaster. You have ups and downs. And I think it's really important to represent that. And GRM Daily continues uh, to give new voices a platform um, and Postly is still very much at the helm of the business. During the pandemic, how have you noticed creators and also Kate, for you musicians, changing the way they interact with their audience? Or is it much the same, you know, on, because social media does give them already that direct link? Or have, have you seen the pandemic change things up? Um, well, I mean, it's it's obviously changed things massively. I mean, we, we you know, we, we're not touring. So, you know, artists are now, you know, content is constantly becoming more and more and more important if you're an artist, you know, and it, and it has been for, me, for many years now. And I think as soon as a pandemic happened, you know, they were immediately looking at ways to engage with their audiences. And then what we saw right at the beginning, you know, was the lot of the same types of videos of artists in their homes. And we were servicing, you know, all of our artists, my department, a lot of them, and like how we can, you know, get them equipment, how they can upload stuff themselves. Like what could they do from home? And, you know, we have artists like Charlie XCX, you know, she did a documentary, she released an album in lockdown and she filmed it all. And, you know, they all kept coming up with incredible ideas in, in their own way. And it was really, really tough because a lot of them were about to do I was about to just go on a tour you know and she's so excited and then you know she's in isolation for four months but I feel like what it did was it really made creativity rise to the top you know once the shock was over it's like the seven stages of grief at the beginning you're kind of like absolute shock and then everybody just kind of got on this you know real creative bandwagon together and and then it, it's just it has been an absolute roller coaster we we've taken over a big studio and we're using it all day long we have we own a theater the haymarket theater we've been using that and because all of our artists were crying out to perform in a in a venue so we took that over and we use it every day and all of our artists go there and they perform on stage to us which has been amazing to watch all of our artists perform throughout lockdown but you know I, I think they've had to come up with to do the things they love in a fairly traditional way and to, to, to look at ways that they can get to their audiences in much more creative ways and, and I do feel like that has actually made everybody a lot more creative and it's just made con the need for content even more than it already was. That's cool I like the idea of being just having direct access to a, a huge amount of musicians in your very own theatre that sounds good. <laughs> Luke we saw YouTube being really active in terms of giving us access to musicians and artists uh, performances from living rooms with live streams and things like that. What does the next stage of that look like if, you know, there's concerns over, you know, more restrictions, a second wave, things like that? How are you adapting to that? And yeah, what does that next wave of entertainment look like? I mean, look, we're, we're trying to support our artists and creators in, in just the best ways possible. So they have the tools they need to connect with their audience during this time. There's lots of things going on in the wider industry. Uh, you know, I was talking to to artist management yes they've just signed a big pay-per-view deal they're just going to start live streaming as if they were gigging but they're going to start you know normal thing i know the streets went ahead and did that a few weeks ago so there's lots of different ways people are experimenting i think it's accelerating how artists and creators connect with their audience in a massive way i think we've seen a big rise in viewership we've seen a big rise in um you know stuff like people signing up for to be members of youtube channels you know as people engage deeper for us a YouTube originals it's just how we capture it like it's so interesting to hear what Kate was saying about 
about Dua Lipa, we're also doing a doc that comes out on November 5th with Anne-Marie. And that doc is is the same sort of thing. It was meant to be this doc about, okay, here's Anne-Marie going on an incredible journey. It's going to be her biggest year yet. She's going to play the O2, blah, blah, blah. And it's ended up being Anne-Marie filming herself in lockdown. And then this kind of Anne-Marie returning to the half world and figuring out how, you know, getting quite introspective, actually, because she hasn't, you know, for the last two or three years, it's been wake up. Addison Lee is waiting for her. Take her to the photo shoot, to the studio. She's performing live. She's at a dinner. Da, 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 da. Had this crazy hectic schedule. And now she has a moment to just sort of spend with our filmmakers and just look inside and see where she's got to internally. So so that's a really, if you want to have the sort of the, the vision of what it's like to be an artist through this period, I think that film, How to Be Anne-Marie, which comes out on uh, November 5th, is a really great way to see it. And I think for us, we just have to be constantly on our toes. There's other things that we're working on that were meant to be out already that there has been just so much added to the stories and the productions because of uh, everything that's happened this year, COVID-wise and the restrictions. And I think, you know, I touch wood that we worked with Warner who were able to approach this in such a level-headed way, in such a responsible way to allow them to have a little bit of down tools and then get back in and finish the documentary to a really high standard throughout the restrictions. So yeah, I'm just really glad that we're going to start uploading shows again from from Monday. And you and I spoke towards the beginning of this year before the pandemic really took grip and we were talking about YouTube's commissioning strategy and what you're looking for and we were seeing that shift away from scripted drama towards documentaries and music content. Has the pandemic changed any of that? Are you are you doubling down on certain things as a result of the pandemic? We're, we're still really passionate about docs. The uh, pandemic has, like with this and, you know, all that's happened this year is we've made some docs that I'm really personally very proud of. We have um, a Grierson Award nomination for Best Music Documentary for our uh, Terms and Conditions, a UK Drill Story that we made with Century Films. So we're really, really excited about that. The only change I'd say is that there definitely is an appetite commission-wise for us to do stuff about things that are happening right now in the moment. Like something happens in the world, you know, I, I expect producers to get in touch and say, hey, this is a way that YouTube, that we through YouTube could could speak to the world or address what's going on. You know, there was a moment seven weeks into the lockdown where we just started, everyone we talked to in terms of the creators, we just started to see that everybody was really feeling the strain. And there was a definite moment in there where we all came together internally at YouTube and we're like, hey, people are really feeling this now. And so we did a thing called Stream With Me, where it was like a four hour live stream where all of our different creators just came on. They each had 10 minutes like, okay, here is a way to stay happy, motivated and possible and positive through this lockdown process. You know, we're still with you, you know, and that was just a great thing that we do. We drove to, you know, here you can donate to NHS here, but really the focus of this is is people's mental health and that you know we're through it we've still got a long way to go but you know we're, we're all in this together so stuff like that stuff like a special we're doing in america after the um blm resurgence uh, bear witness take action we did one of those we did another we also stepped in and did something called dear class where we did a virtual graduation ceremony stuff like that we feel is a good use of our, our resources to step in and do stuff for uh, people who might not you know if something has been taken away in the real world you know we uh watch watch this space for more announcements of more of those coming soon. So we've seen Warner Music Entertainment do deals with production companies like Imagine Entertainment.
entertainment for a whole slate of shows, things like that. What should production companies who are wanting to team up with you on projects, what should they be bringing you? You know, initially my remit when I joined Warner is it was obviously to to look at the, you know, the entire legacy catalogue and go through our publishing arm and, and, and look at opportunities there, not only to sort of really service the need of all of our current artists and what they want to do. So we have so many artists and they, they're all so different and they're, you know, you've got people from Stormzy to Kano to, to Amory, Dua, etc. And and then we have Pink Floyd, David Bowie and, and Fleetwood Mac and to to sort of contend with and, and think about, you know, what do we want to do? And I think it's always like our artists front and centre of, of everything that we do. Obviously, we're not looking to just do hundreds of biopics, you know, that, because there are so many incredible stories that we can tell and narratives around our artists because from a moment in time, you know, we have people like Curtis Mayfield, we can talk about the civil rights movement and we have currently doing an Aretha Franklin series a genius series so it's story first really we're, we're doing an Arthur Ashe documentary so you know it, it's about telling really really compelling interesting stories you know that are obviously with our artists at heart sort of primarily but at the same time if people have a fantastic idea that they think is a really strong story that lends itself well to you know to maybe it might just be using our music in it we're really open to you know anything I think it would be pretty crazy if I started doing cooking shows unless one of our artists becomes an incredible chef but I, I think it's really music at its core but um, it's also incredible talent at, at its core I would say if it's outside of the music realm but yeah we, we have you know we, we have so many on our slate and it's a great partnership that we're, we're doing with with Ron and Brian I've known them for some time and and obviously they're responsible for you know Empire 8 Mile and so and they're doing the Genius series for us and in the States and so they're so brilliant at storytelling and it's what they do they've got a great heritage they're a fantastic team and, and sometimes we have things and we just know that we want to do something and they just like you know they really put the icing on the cake and they can elevate so many projects for us that we have and also there are a lot of collaborations with us going on and it's, it's you know it, it, it's literally the, the relationship that got going you know a month or two ago and it's actually quite unbelievable the amount of things that we we now have on our slate to the point where you know our entire group around the world is like you know sending us ideas but we're always open to third party ideas and people coming in with stuff because I always feel like no no idea is a bad one and, and yeah it's interesting what you were saying just then about talent because it does feel like in terms of the TV industry it's becoming a, increasingly a talent-led industry and talent kind of almost holding the power with their first look deals with streamers and things like that is that having an impact at all on either of your businesses uh yeah I mean you know t- talent now they have that they're, they're a brand you know and and the reason I joined Warner I cut I you know I come I originally start quite traditional TV background I moved I lived in LA for eight years moved back and I was like you know the undoubtedly talent is is at the core of everything that we do whatever that might be um they don't have to be big big artists you know and big superstars per se but talent is at the core of everything that we do and that's why I went, I joined there and and so you know they they are always looking for so many different avenues of of ways and means that they can do things they don't they you know they by no means if you're signed to Warner do, you, do any of my, my artists have to come and, and work with us they can they can work with who they like but I, I really think that now more than ever you know it's expected that there's so much more from them than just standing on the stage with a guitar or a microphone or 
whatever. And, you know, people expect to see inside their lives. They expect to have a documentary. They expect to do that. And so actually from that, you realise like so many of them are brilliant writers and directors and, you know, they're shooting all this stuff and, you know, they've got these friends running around with them and they, they send me things and I'm like, wow, you know, bring in like 20 hard drives and I sort of start going through it. And people now are so much more creative and I think the expectation is really high but I feel like artists want to really see what the breadth of their talent is you know they don't just necessarily put all their eggs into one basket now yeah and I I think the only thing I can add to that is so many talent it makes sense for YouTube to be their centerpiece their constant online where they can communicate with their audience because you know you can really build a, a prolonged relationship with your audience you can put a lot of content on there and really grow a YouTube channel and it can actually become a part of your business because that is your uh, you know it's your house built on our farm that you can rent rooms out or you know find other ways to monetize it so yeah we we, we love working with artists these days the multi-hyphenate thing makes it more interesting for us as a, as a visual company yeah and we, we and you know if they spend time building their YouTube presence it means we can you know get a deeper more meaningful partnership with them so everyone's happy I think the other thing just to note as well is like you know when we're signing new artists you know the reason that we're, we're there as part of the deal you know it's no longer is it like are you just going to put my records out they've got the whole 360 thing at Warner we have a studio they've got my team you know we have a podcast team we have all of these sort of it's like an entertainment hub really we have a recording studio so they all come in and they you know they're laying down tracks and so that's you know really for artists you know they they need all of those facilities now and they need that outlet and they need the expertise and they need to come in and speak to someone and say if I wanted to do a film how does that work YouTube's Luke Hyams and Kate Shepard from Warner Music Entertainment ITV's Darren Narty is one of the many buyers who attended the digital version of Cartoon Forum this month casting his eye over animated projects from around Europe as he hunts series the UK commercial broadcaster could get involved in as a commissioner. Darren discusses the kinds of children's shows ITV is looking for, as well as how he wants to see producers approach diversity and representation on and off screen in their programming. We began by chatting about this year's unique cartoon forum. It was ITV's first time taking part. Um, So for me, it's difficult to compare it to previous years because I've not been there. And part of the reason why is because of where it falls in the year in terms of the ITV calendar and what we're doing internally. It's always been quite difficult to go and then come back in the next month and go to MIPCOM, MIP Junior. But it being a digital version made the decision a bit easier because of it's more accessible and I could do it whilst sort of doing to the, during the, day to the usual day-to-day work as well. In terms of the way it was done, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I've been doing a lot of markets this summer because everything has been cancelled so compared to the other ones that i've done i thought was really well organized the organizers kept us informed every time in terms of what what the pitches will be they give us synopsis about each project and what to expect and there were lots and lots of follow-up emails after the pitches in terms of what we've seen and in terms of the website how quickly they uploaded the pitch to the website for us to watch it so i thought the digital version brilliant 
Um, and if they did it, I'll do it again. Obviously, I would love to be in Tulum <laughs> uh, to actually experience it the way a lot of the majority of people who normally go do. But for a first time out, I thought it was really well organised. When you were logging in, what were you kind of hoping to find? I suppose, broadly, yeah, the age group that you're looking for. CRTV is aimed at 6 to 12s. We concentrate on, when it comes to animation, comedies. Things that have worked really well for us from Mr Bean, the classic Mr Bean. Mr Magoo has been doing incredibly well for us. Uh, Mighty Mike has been doing well in our commission, Rubbish World of Dave Spud. So these are all comedies in the 6 to 12 with a slightly more boy skew. So going in, I had my hat on looking at projects like that. We do currently acquire some preschool because we have a preschool block. And with that, I'm not too prescriptive because I, I, I just like to treat each project on its merit. But this probably wouldn't have been the market for it because we only acquire already pre-made shows. Whereas with CITV, we are looking to pre-buy, co-produce, um, et cetera, et cetera. So when they send initial uh, email about the projects that would be pitched, I had a look through all of them just to see which ones could be of interest. And then I, I obviously went in and um, looked at those pitches before actually concentrating on everything else at the end of the market weirdly uh, going back and looking at everything just to see what everyone was talking about what the popular ones were in saying yes uh, CITV has a slightly more boy skewed we prefer our comedies to be gender neutral because it's about co-viewing we want things that kids will enjoy but also parents the channel is certainly not a no-go zone for girls the more girls we get in better I'm a father of a girl <laughs> and so I also put that hat on when I'm looking at projects for the future to think is this something that my daughter would like and interestingly that was a huge trend in terms of strong female leads I think for years lots of um, creators broadcasters have been asking for strong female leads in, in shows and I think it's it's evolving you can see that the type, the type of characters that are being introduced in kids content is a little bit more it's got a depth to it I think I, I, live action has struggled a little bit more than animation because in the past some of the things I get pitched there is always and I appreciate teenage girls will fancy a boy but sometimes often a love story in there and which can often define the character and we've tried to sort of um, move away from that a bit but animation that doesn't have that issue because animation you, you pretty much introduce the character and you get into it so the things that stood out for me were Goat Girl I thought was brilliant I thought it was really really funny and Gemma and the Defenders from Zilam I thought was excellent as well and it's it's that it's something I would uh, those project shows I would watch with my daughter because she is so so boisterous, why could you not? <laughs> and just watching that Gemma and the Defense of it, oh my God, that's Amelia. So uh, back to your, to your original point, I, I do, going in, uh, yes, I had a set list of shows that I was looking for and, and sort of the, the type of comedies, uh, the slapstick elements that appeals to that age bracket, but also just uh, a bit more of a diverse story, not just actually with gender, but the, the way the world is uh, and the way we're moving, diversity is so important. So I was glad to just see that all the people pitching were thinking about it if, whether it's on screen or in terms of the writers they're using the adaptations that they were using for their stories so that you were seeing evidence of that it wasn't kind of just people talking the talk but evidence that shows were actually you know drawing from authentic places when, they, when it comes to diversity definitely and you could see with the pitches again because I can't compare it to last the previous years I'm not sure how the pitches would have worked if you're, you're on stage but because the, the uh, people were filming in their offices, um, it's almost a bit more personal. And also the, the different locations uh, um, that they were filming at, 
it, it just gave it gave the whole pitch a different tone. So it, it, yeah, it, in terms of the diversity of thinking, you could certainly see it. Actually, one of the things actually not even just diversity, it, it just gives you an insight into people's personalities as well in terms of the choices they made. I mean, there was one project which was filmed in the harbour. Um, it was pitched. Um, they said, "Oh, this show is set here," and then it was at the harbour. The one, the one about the zoo where the uh, prisoners, I think it was called, where they had the shirt, um, very colourful shirt. So yeah, people were they, they were given, uh, I guess, a brief to to create the pitch, the pitches, and they had, they thought about it, and, and they came up with really really clever ways to catch the buyer's eyes, the investors' eyes. Uh, and I thought that was the diversity of thought was certainly there. And um, I hope I hope I'll be there next year to actually see, so I can compare it. But um, it's 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 quite interesting to just see how people react to the different pitches. And on representation, one person writing on a perspective piece on C21, and he was saying how in kids TV, it can get a bit muddled because kind of well-meaning producers want to approach diversity from a perspective of, of showing kids that, for example, this animal, animal A, can get on with animal B. And it's, and it's like a metaphor for diversity, as opposed to actually showing really real diversity on screen. So, you know, a character who is non-white and from a different background was there shows that were doing kind of that version of diversity where it's kind of like metaphorical or were you seeing kind of mm. specific elements of real life diversity I suppose and is that something that you think yeah. is, is important for the kids industry to, to do going forward yeah I, I understand that criticism but uh, what I'll probably say about that it depends on the idea if it's a, it's an idea about animals uh, living in an area you, you can't just almost shoehorn in physical presence and say that's your diverse character it always always comes down to the idea I think yes if it's if it's human characters then it's important to showcase diversity so I, I, I whilst I get that criticism I can have sympathy for the creator in terms of what they're trying to achieve where there are many shows with physical diversity do you know what I probably wouldn't say there were I did see some perhaps maybe I was just concentrating on on the initial pitches that I was interested in I did hear the diversity in the voice and use for characters and the actual shows because I was concentrating on shows that would have been of interest to me yeah in terms of the secondary characters I didn't see many because there weren't many humanoid uh, characters in there but it uh, for us if we were to commission a show if there is no diversity in terms of voice and if it doesn't need humans or if it requires humans and there is no diversity we would not commission it that's just the way we, we are yes producers might not be thinking it but if you do want ITP's backing and you want commission from the UK from us a UK broadcaster then you have to change it it's not a debate for us at all what I'm trying to do from going to this is it's actually just seeing the idea and then seeing how we could actually shape it for a UK audience because such producers this is why broadcasters and broadcasting uh, commissioners are so important because producers yes they're thinking about the idea but sometimes they're not thinking about sort of the long term etc etc impact and that's what broadcasters can come in and do and help shape an idea I've been pitched shows where you could not I can't even begin to tell you some of the stereotyping not from cartoon forum but just generally uh, some of the stereotyping and, and, and also things like poor kids are on on aspirational and, and the poor and the wealthier kids are treated in an aspirational way those things 
sometimes people just don't understand. They don't get it. And as gatekeepers, it's on us to help shape that vision for them. Because if they had all the answers, then they wouldn't need a broadcaster and they'll just, you know, put it all together. So I don't know if that answers your question. I, they probably, maybe it it was there and because it was there and it was felt so natural, I didn't have to think about it. But something I'll probably have to go back and have a look. And I suppose that's one of the benefits of ITV, getting more involved in early stage development because there was a bit of a lull in terms of commissioning at ITV and I know it's been you know the broadcast sector for kids has, has been challenging but yeah in terms of what you, ITV is able to do and what you're looking to commission what are you looking towards and has the pandemic affected that in any way? Yeah so we had uh, a number of projects that were due to deliver this year so we did our live action commissioning round last year which was really successful and we had projects coming in uh, some of it was announced including how and they were delivering this year and the plan was to do a a commissioning round each year in conjunction with the Young Audience Fund. So uh, we do live action, then we do animation and live action again. Obviously COVID have put um, a spanner in the works and so which has meant only half of the projects a large number of projects actually that people didn't realize were due to deliver this year and only half will deliver this year now as uh, when some falling into next year including our first live action scripted show in many many years so the bbc have been brilliant and led the way in uk live action for a long time and it's been something that we've always wanted to do and thanks to the young audience fund we are now able to do that and so we have uh, a live action scripted show coming next year and we also have a co-production coming next year as well in scripted uh, to your point about the lull yes it was uh, longer than we wanted that's for sure i think with all the changes that happened with kevin Lango coming in and, and, and presenting his vision for how he wants the departments to work i think that helped a lot and, and it showed that the business really still cares about kids hence why we decided to come back into preschool maybe to a smaller in a smaller way but to come back into preschool but also to invest a bit more in citv i think the channel is going in the right direction we were hoping to do as i said to do another commissioning round this year that might still be on the cards we're just weighing up if we do live action or that animation if we do do animation then obviously the projects that i discovered in, in, in uh, cartoon forum would obviously be in the running in saying that it's because it will be to work with the Young Audience Fund. It would require a, a UK producer involved to tap into that fund. But we, the plan is to do more in kids. I've got more projects on the go now than ever. Some pretty exciting stuff coming. And um, so just uh, watch this space. Are there any kind of specific requirements that say someone, if they were bringing a project to CITV, how should they approach it differently? The thing with CITV is it's uh, our shows tend to be a bit cheeky, a bit irreverent. So if you think of some of the, the, the shows that have lasted the longest on the channel, Mr. Bean, it's comedy. It's just pure comedy entertainment. It's something that ITV as a brand does really well. Anyone in in the UK who watches an ITV show, we're always trying to entertain the family. For if I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. To Britain's Got Talent, it's always about shows that families can watch watch together. And and that's what we we, we that's that was one of the key things that Kevin wanted to change uh, when it came to the kids content because it was quite heavy on acquisitions, but it was also um, boys action shows which didn't really resonate or feel that at home in the ITV brand. The other thing when it comes to commissioning is ITV. 
ITV is only a, it's a UK channel. We don't have international channels. Our heartland actually is the north as well. So uh, in terms of commissions that producers need to think about, it doesn't have to be set in London. Regionality is incredibly important and, and, and diversity, which we've touched upon as well. It's really important. So producers need to think about it. I guess the point of difference with the BBC, I'll probably say is in terms of we have a slightly more boy skew, whereas CDBC has a slightly more girl skew. And also in terms of the comedies that we do, we don't do anything in the educational space or the older kids bracket. So I think Cartoon Network is a good uh, comparison with CITV because Scooby-Doo, Tom and Jerry, which we share with them, we've shared with them for many, many years. So that is the type of show that resonates with us. Darren Nati from ITV. That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and on social media. Thanks for listening.